0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host, Matt Watson. Today I'm joined by one of the co founders and the CEO of Pavewise, Mr. Bryce Worry. He's doing some cool stuff in paving technology and construction technology. There's a lot of companies doing cool things around project management and, and different things in the construction space. He's got a company that's done some cool stuff there. we're going to talk to today. Um, interesting story about how you go from uh, a company that does paving to building technology around paving. So it should be a fun story. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale. If your company is looking to hire software developers, QA, technical people, you can check us out at FullScale.io. We work with dozens of other startups and scale-ups, helping them build their technology. Bryce, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. So I think before we got started, you were telling me, did you say this was, you've been, you've been in the, the paving construction-related business for a very, very long time. Did you say it was also a family business?
1: Yeah. uh, Third generation construction company. Uh, The paving industry I've been part of for 17 years that we didn't own a construction company specifically around paving, um, just uh, more dirt work. Um, I got involved in paving in in my young professional career. Um, As an engineer graduating, I just got attracted to it because of how cool it was and uh, I've been in it ever since. So, did you say that
0: your your family used to do a lot of stuff with
1: dirt? Yeah. Yep. Uh, earth moving, um, a lot of excavation things like that. So that's that's where I originally got my my feet dipped into construction. Uh, my grandpa owned well, a construction company. My dad, and then I kind of took over, and here we are
0: today. So i I bring that up because there was another entrepreneur here in the Kansas City area that was doing something related to dirt, and I always thought it was interesting that. It was a good point of all the different problems and businesses out there that nobody ever thinks of. But his business was either helping people get a rid get rid of dirt they don't need or find dirt that they need. Right? And it's like actually a huge problem in the construction business because if you like build a swimming pool and you're like, I have all this dirt. What in the world do I? How do I get rid of this dirt? Right? And you have other people that need dirt, and he built software to help match those people up. and And it was just a great example of like some of the simplest problems in the world, you know, exist out there and people go and solve them. And, uh, I just thought it was always an interesting example of entrepreneurship, but, um, there's, there's gotta be so many things like that out there that nobody, you know, nobody knows exists that are very successful businesses. So, um, so tell me, you know, so you're talking about you were in the pavement business. What led you to decide to come up with the idea of, of, PaveWise? It just happened naturally.
1: Actually, we were just trying to improve our efficiencies and we just identified uh, common variables that just kept causing issues. So what we did is we started tracking these and we started building um, PaveWise to manage projects. And um, naturally what happened was it just was the way that we we ran projects and people started to kind of find out like, well, how are you actually doing that and tracking that? And can we have that process and that software? And at that time we weren't selling it. Uh, We were just selling our our services as consultants and helping run projects. And um, it naturally kind of just went into, um, well, I think our biggest issue is we can't scale business to business. How do we automate this into a full functioning software to, help people with this issue. Uh, and that's what kind of happened in 2022. We, we just started providing software instead of consulting
0: services. And, uh, it's been good ever since. So from a, a, you know, if you're acting kind of like the general contractor for these kinds of projects, do you, is part of the problem just organizing a lot of subcontractors or is it organizing even your own employees or like What ends up being the heart of the problem that makes this, makes this difficult?
1: The heart of the problem um, really falls around weather risk. Uh, 53% of paving projects are impacted by some kind of weather. And what was happening was we would build a schedule out or send a crew out to do work on a specific project. And, you know, well, there's a 70% chance of rain and you know, we if we would have planned more accordingly and moved them to a different location, a different project where the impacts were less, um, we were more efficient as a company, and the quality of the work would go up. That and the void between like the office and the crews, uh, we we call ourselves like that link because. Um, the office would bid a project, have all the specifications requirements, and then the field would get out to a project and and maybe not have all the access to data that they need for well, I needed a 40 inch mill on this project, and nobody told me well we we it's we connect that link by whatever needs to be done in that project is in the hands of the foreman. Um, so if there's a change in the field to blueprints or in the office, it when it's uploaded, that people in the field have access to it right away. They know what equipment they need. They know what productions. They know the location of it. They know the weather impacts of it. So they they have a really clear idea of of what's going to take place to be successful on that project.
0: And so, before the platform that you built, how did you guys manage this? Was it just a bunch of spreadsheets, or like how how did you how did you do this before? <laughs> we we tried to use some weather apps. We try to take that data
1: and integrate it into our schedules. Um the other thing that we were doing is like I mean honestly one of our biggest competitors is just uh pen paper, journals and um a, you know traditional plans, paper plans and a weather app. Um what we did is we took all those and integrated them into a software. Uh, 90% of our users are on a phone using this in the field and just combine it. Um we do really cool things like we're we call ourselves the foreman's best friend or the virtual assistant because we text notify that foreman when inclement weather's coming. If something's been updated to a plan or spec, they don't have to constantly be looking for these things. We're actually automating it so that they can just do their work. And if there is an issue, it notifies you to look at this and just stay concentrated on your work.
0: So I guess one one thing I'm I'm thinking about in my head here is, so is it not as simple as just looking at the next day's weather? Is it more like, hey, we're going to try and do the work today and it's and it's more like hour by hour. So that's why the weather is so sensitive because like you're trying to work every minute you can and then stop, you know, right before it happens or? Yeah. So
1: we go out, proactively like we predict seven ten days impact so you can drop in a gps location on a on a project and from that gps location is where we pull 95 percent accurate data we can even pull 100 percent accurate weather data by implementing one of our our hardware solutions which is a hyper local weather station on site so we set up a certified weather station on site and you're pulling real-time data it goes into our predictive analysis and like you can plan your next week's schedule, seven, 10 days out on where you're going to be least impacted by weather and be most successful. Um, and then we also text, like, you can't always control weather and stuff does roll in, like you're saying. So we automate, you know, that part of it as well. Like, hey, you're going to see a 25 mile per hour wind at noon today. Uh, we text that out proactively at 10 so that you can start to plan proactively what changes need to take place in your operations. Um, and we've seen that all happening a lot was people wouldn't change until that weather was right on top of them, and all of a sudden uh, your your efficiency, your quality, all that decreases because you be, you've become reactive. You're adjusting to something that's already there instead of planning for it and making the changes so that when it comes, you've already you've already planned for it and and you're moving forward through it successfully.
0: well, so so how much revenue? cost, does weather impact this business? So, you know, if if you're trying to work today and then you get caught in rain and you didn't realize it was going to rain, does does that ultimately cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost work or messed up work? Like, how do you, how do you kind of quantify that? It's a billion dollar problem
1: in this industry right now. Um, And we, we can't really quantify it because we don't have all the data. We just know it is a huge issue. Um, this industry. But what about
0: like a specific, like just one project?
1: Oh, one like project. One
0: specific project.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, on, okay, so for example, one project we had uh, down in Colorado, we were able to identify, you know, the, the impacts of weather on this project and take it to the contractor and the state and work together to be like, hey, there's 11 days of this Inclement weather, which was snow, rain, and um, snow, rain, and cold temperatures, and we're not going to get this project done in time. Um, and what we're trying to do is like you don't want to paint your house when it's raining, right? That's low quality. Yeah. You, do you really, as an owner who's paying millions of dollars to make these new roads, want this contractor paving in these? weather conditions just because there's this date that says it has to be done and if you look at the next week forward it's actually really beautiful out and the quality is going to be better um so bringing those decisions forward uh we actually saved that contractor about forty-five thousand dollars in in schedule damages and worked with the state to get a better product and those are the types of things that we're trying to bring to the surface with the software is is um time is not always money. Uh, quality is very important and making the right decisions and trying to work in the right conditions can save you. Ultimately we're finding 13 to 25% as a company on your bottom line profits.
0: So obviously your background is from construction and doing pavement. So jumping to creating a tech product had to be a big leap, a little bit of a crazy leap, right? So what, what were your thoughts when you first had the idea for this? Or like, how are we actually going to build this technology? Is one of your co-founders have more of a technical background? Like, tell, tell us more about that. It was, it
1: was, um, it took time, you know, from when we started creating, automating what we were doing into a fully usable software that. People could just run by themselves. I mean, it took years. Um, we started doing that in 2019, and we didn't start releasing it until 2022. And mostly, a lot of that was because I wanted to test it on products myself, and like, we we really fine tuned it to a point where when we released it in 2020, uh, we actually we just started releasing it in 2023. As with our first paying customer, we knew it was going to work successfully because we tested it through 27 projects, um, but. I had a really good CTO uh, I still do uh, Jace Kraft who is super techy smart but also understands uh, he has no asphalt experience but he he understands a lot of what we're trying to do as a company and what parts we can automate and what we can do with technology and things like that so um, I had a really good tech person come on board early that was able to to take a lot of those good ideas and and be like nah we can't do that with software or yeah we can do that for sure so it helped kind of streamline that process and we didn't waste a lot of time and resources on building things that we knew wasn't possible or wasn't going to help the the customer
0: so was he one of the, the the founders or or he was just an employee you guys brought in
1: Yep. He's just, uh, the CTO, uh, that we brought in. Uh, okay. we, we consider him a co-founder now because he's pretty much helped build this to the next phase, but, uh, it's actually my wife and I are the, the original co-founders. Uh, okay. when we, we created this in 2019, she has construction experience. She's ran multiple construction companies. Um,
0: wow, okay.
1: awesome. and, and I, have been a lot of boots on the ground experience. I, that's where I love what I do, um, is actually getting out in the, in the trenches, paving running equipment. Uh, I've ran all, every piece of equipment out there and it's really what fills my cup is going and working with contractors, helping them succeed. And that was ultimately one of the reasons I wanted to build this software. Um, and we kind of switched gears and
0: sold our companies and we're like, oh, we're going all in on this software. So... Well, so let me ask you this. I'm I'm curious about that transition. So, obviously, you were sounds like you were building the software for three to you know four years. So, while you were building the software, were you still running the other company and kind of using the profits of that to help to help build the technology, or how did how did you do that part of it? Yep, that's
1: exactly what we did. We bootstrapped uh, to build the software, tested, um, and and I did consulting as well. So I'd go out. I worked across the United States working with paving contractors on implementing our software and best practices for success and and that's where we were able to test it so much we we had a good opportunity to work with contractors and be like all right let's see how this works and and um yeah that and then we eventually got to the point where we just couldn't we couldn't handle uh running a, a construction company, my consulting and a software company. So we, yeah. we had to make the decision and it wasn't easy to take two companies that we knew were profitable and had no risk. They're established for over 10 years and be like, all right, let's, let's kabosh these and put all, all of our, our chips into a software that we have no idea what, what's going to happen with it. And luckily uh, my, Wife and CEO, COO, seeing the passion and and the what what the software could do, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm all in if you're all in." And we we did it. We we sold the companies, and we're still using those profits, that money to to put into the company. Um, but we also are venture backed. We we raised a round in September of 2023 with investors just to help us move this along a lot quicker and and grow the team. We're up to eight employees now. And I mean, so without, without that, we wouldn't be able to move near as fast. So.
0: So what I love about this story is you took your expertise and figured out how to build a product, you know, a tech product out of it. And I think that's a typical story, right? You have a lot of people that they have industry expertise Um you know, or they're like, hey, I do consulting, or I do this work, but I don't scale. Like the way I scale myself is I build some kind of product that helps me scale, right? Like, and that's where a lot of the best tech products come from. It's not from these software developers that are like, I'm going to go build this technology, because they don't have the industry experience. It, It takes somebody like you that has the industry experience of the problem you're trying to solve, and going and building that business. And I love that you're able to you know, support that from services as well. So consulting like professional services to help keep revenues going so you can keep funding the software part of it. Do you still do the professional services as well?
1: Yes. Um, in certain specific conditions, um, it's it's what I enjoy doing a lot of, but typically we do it in conjunction with uh, we sign on a new customer and We're going to go out and onboard with them and work with them for a period of time to get them comfortable with the software. And during that time, I usually spend a day or two or three working directly with their crews um, and watching them and just adding, just adding, uh, you know, a little tips here and there. Uh, A lot of consulting around technology, that's actually where a lot of my consulting was with new technologies, intelligent compaction and, um, you know, GPR where... Contractors were implementing these and they just needed a little bit of guidance, how to integrate it into their current systems. And um, so, yes, I do a little bit of it still not not near as much as I used to, but uh, a little bit here and there.
0: Well, I want to remind everybody, if you are looking to hire software developers or QA, you can check us out at FullScale, fullscale FullScale.io. We have 300 employees in the Philippines working for, we've worked for over a hundred, companies helping them build their teams and, and making offshore work for them. Check us out at fullscale.io. So Bryce, how did, I'm curious, you have, you have a great CTO. How did you, how did you scale your team? Do you have other developers? Do you, do you work with an offshore team? Like how do you, how are you guys building this? Currently we have our own in-house team.
1: Uh, the original build, uh, what we called the phase one or the, um, uh, the demo what's the original name for it um kind of our testing software was built by a, a third part or a second party company uh that we hired and uh that went really well uh, but we just knew with the the changes and everything that we wanted to add into it we just had to bring it in-house and we do we do a little bit of consulting we hire companies as well to do the testing and uh, build some of the features for us but Um, all in-house, we got three developers. Well, two, including my CTO is a Titan developer. So he still does a lot of, a lot of coding and and things like that. Uh, We have a product manager that helps with a lot of the onboarding customer success. Uh, we have a actual sales customer success manager, uh, and then myself and, uh, Brittany running the company right now.
0: Okay. Uh, So I'm curious, you know, as a kind of first time tech founder, building technology. Sounds like you got a CTO. That was really important. Um, before you had the CTO, what w- what was this like? Was <laughs> this a total nightmare before you had the CTO? Yeah, it,
1: it was. I was acting as the CTO. And I, I mean, I have not software tech. I mean, I have technology background in construction tech, which is nothing even close to software tech. So it was a struggle because I, I didn't understand what was possible and what even sometimes I was trying to get across to the team. So getting a good CTO to to make that link and then take and work with the team to make sure it's a success was, I mean, we saved lots of money and time uh, once we moved into that. Uh, and we wouldn't be even close to where we are today with the software and our traction if
0: if we didn't have that those good people in place like that. So I'm curious you know, a lot of people are always trying to figure out, okay, what does the CTO do? Are they just a developer? What's the difference? You know? Uh, so I'm curious your, your viewpoint of what is, what it is, what is it that your CTO does that's different than just one of your developers from your point of, you know, from your point of view,
1: we have, um, what we call betting tables where we sit down the product manager, myself and the CTO. We look at where, what, what cycle we're in. Um, what our customers have been asking for, talking to us. And we really uh, look at what do we need to build next and what do we need to work on to reduce friction? Um, and when I come up with an idea, we can sit and, iter- you know, we can talk about like, oh, this is going to be about a, a four-week cycle, you know, and and this is about the time and cost and we're going to need this. So we, he gives me the information to be put numbers to ideas is is this like is this worth it how many people have we had ask for this and this is what it's going to take um where before we never really had that we just we we just go for it and and, uh, that sometimes didn't always work out so the devs work very closely with him they have daily check-ins we got like these daily big threes where they work on things they connect uh they do a lot of we got front end back end sometimes they switch roles one will be you know if they're heavy front end and heavy back end the back end's got to do front end for a cycle and and they do a lot of training within the community as well and uh ai training we got an ai uh we call it pat pavewise assistance tool that's ran off of ai we built in-house that is absolutely amazing um and they built that within one, one It was a month cycle and uh, it's saved like so much friction within our software for users and those types of things that would never be possible
0: without a good CTO. Well, it sounds like he, you know, really helps a lot with driving the product and kind of product overseeing the product side of this too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from my experience, you know, I've worked as a CTO basically for over 20 years and I think the best CTOs do they, they understand if they understand the product as good as anybody else, kind of, kind of just like being a founder, right? If they have the vision for the product, they are leaps and bounds better than just your average, you know, developer or other engineering manager, because they get where we're trying to go. And they're making decisions based on that vision and where they're trying to go. And it sounds like you, you know, you're seeing that same success for those same reasons. Yeah,
1: absolutely. and. I, we're so happy to like i, I actually went to him his name's jace Kraft to try to help me find a cto and eventually we talked enough to where he's like i think i want to be your cto and i was like yes that's what i wanted the whole time <laughs> and uh now it's like amazing it's it's great because uh we're just keep crunching on on building more and more features and and uh yeah, that's, that's the toughest thing. I mean, I'm an, I, I'm an idea machine. Like I've, yeah. I find I'm naturally just wired to see if I see a problem, I'm going to try to build a solution for it. I mean, it doesn't matter if I'm looking at a process, a software, a piece of equipment. I'm just like, there's a better way to do that. So like we have this idea bucket that is probably 50 deep in ideas and we, we, we look through it and um, we, we decide which, which ones have the best potential to create more success for our current software. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good process we found.
0: So from my experience, having all those deals ideas is a very special, magical trait, but I'm curious. So from my, I'm, I'm very similar, but from my experience, everybody else that works around me can't deal with any of it. It drives them crazy (laughs) because they, because if you go to them with a new idea every day, they're like, uh Bryce you had a different idea yesterday what do I do with the idea from yesterday right like they can't deal with that constant like ideas and change because they may think that whatever your idea is today is like the most important thing all of a sudden right so I'm I'm curious if you have any interesting stories of where this this has created some problems and friction oh for sure yeah it it does because
1: um that's why we actually created the idea bucket we call it because um it was it's not only a place that we for me to drop in ideas but like my product manager and my cto as they're building and talking with customers drop things in as well but uh, before we had the idea bucket it was usually just uh, a lot of communication like we're doing now or like hey i think this is a good idea what would it you know now we can put it somewhere and sit it and let it kind of simmer and talk about it every now and then and it's not going anywhere but like all of a sudden we can come back to it and um like yeah this is really we've ta- had a lot of customers talk about this and yeah. i think it's now time to pursue it um well and i've found i've found as, as as a you know as the ceo that i we only share ideas with us three product manager cto and myself and a lot of times, we just even put ideas in there and don't even tell each other um, until we get to our bedding table and then talk about them. Um, and unless they're like something that really needs to push right now, um, we we just use it as a as a place to kind of an oven to kind of keep things warm and and talk about them.
0: Well, I bring this up because I think it's an interesting challenge that a lot of other entrepreneurs have. Like a lot of entrepreneurs probably like you and I, we have a little bit of ADD, we got a lot of ideas, we're running around, our minds always going. Other people don't know how to deal with that, right? Especially other software developers. So if you're meeting with your dev team, like every couple of days, and you're talking about all these ideas, 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 like, they're like, dude, I'm still trying to write the code for the last idea from a month ago. Like, do I delete that and go work on the new thing? Like, it it sent, it can send software developers in a complete crazy frenzy because you know they're moving along very slowly trying to build something, and if they're sideswiped like every day of like new ideas, like they just don't even know how to deal with it. But it sounds like you you figured it out. You figured out. Look, I need to talk to my CTO. I talk to my product manager. We ideate on these ideas. We build a roadmap. We argue about it. We fight about what what the most important ideas are, and then together as a group go to everybody else and say, okay, we've got some strategic direction of where we're trying to go. And that's the right way to do it. But a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this. And it's just like, it c- can create a lot of craziness. And I was guilty of this at one point in my career. And that's why I bring it up. Yeah. And really,
1: that was one of the, when we were working with a a contractor to build the first um, beta software, that was really one of the biggest struggles was like, I just kept throwing ideas out there and it just kept getting built and there was no, there was no structure behind it. And, uh, that ended up costing a lot of time and money. It put us back three to four months on our original release date. And, and that was really just because we didn't know any better. Um, we had a project manager that was kind of acting in between the devs and stuff, but all they would do is listen to what I wanted to build and build it. Um, so, yeah, this, this process we have now is absolutely working phenomenal and uh, I'm glad that, and I have, I can't take any credit in it. It was all Jace that uh, set it up and, and is running that and running the devs and, and is the mediator behind everything. So,
0: so an- another, another thing I, I'm curious about, I think a lot is a, is a challenge for entrepreneurs is you talk about the, you have all these ideas one of the strengths and weaknesses that you have is you are basically your own customer. You're building something, you're building your you know your own dream of what you wanted to build, which is also super dangerous because if you don't go talk to customers, you may just be building what you think you want, but maybe nobody else wants, right? So mm-hmm. I'm curious if you've had that problem as well where you know you're trying to build something the way you think that you would want it versus actually going and talking to customers and get their feedback.
1: Originally, yes. um, Because the way we were building it originally was to solve my problem, or what I was struggling with. But what we eventually found was, um, as I worked with more companies and traveled, it just kind of was we naturally seen, this is not just a me problem. This is Every your every yeah. company we work with is having this problem, maybe in different ways and stuff. They might not be struggling with the weather as much as we are in the Midwest, and like they might not be struggling with communication, but everybody is struggling with something that we are yeah. trying to solve. Um, and really getting it in the hands of the users is yeah, I mean, there's so much that we've learned and listening to the customers, and that's like why we built our PaveWise Assistance tool, because We do have some older uh, individuals, not super tech savvy that, you know, they would upload files, but they wouldn't manage where they go and what projects. So we've seen that friction and we're like, you know what, let's just build an assistant tool that does that for you. How does that sound? And it's been amazing because now all they do is hit upload and it literally puts it the right location, project, folder, notifies that person. And that's all they have to do. Um, and the other problem that comes with customers is everybody's got great ideas too, right? Oh yeah. Um, uh, So like you go to a new customer and they're like, Hey, this, can we integrate this in? Can we do that? And can we do this? And this would be really cool. And it's just like, yeah, I, I agree with you, but, uh, let's just take some steps here and and see how this works as it is. And if we want to integrate in some, some documents some templates, yeah, sure. If it helps you that much more, we can work with you, but we can't. We can't just, um, you know, do all this here. We're not a custom software development company. So,
0: Well, I h- how do you balance that, though? Do you, you know, you got some customers like, hey, they want to give us a bunch of money. They want to implement this one feature. We're going to have to do it. For some of them, yeah, they just give you ideas. And they're like, oh, it'd be great if I did this. Like, how do you internally, how do you manage that and, you know, I think the problem is you chase every deal like, oh, if we do this, we'll get the deal. if we do this, we'll get the deal like you know how how have you had to deal with that kind of problem
1: yeah we we don't really chase deals we we know where we kind of fit our target market as high profile paving contractors working on federal contracts um, but we do have some really big companies that are big accounts that you know we we do bend backwards a little bit for them to keep them happy because um they they do have good ideas and they do it does benefit them so we you know we work those things into contracts as well where you know we we might have a an annual contract and one of the one of the line items is one custom um addition to the software and they like that right they can pick out one thing that we can add or integrate in and um that that's kind of how we've worked that out but typically what we do is we just keep track of listening to the customers and if we hear you know like what is the term the squeaky wheel gets the grease or oil uh if it's brought up enough we talk about it and and um because typically if two three companies users are really like ah this would be really nice um we build it. And, and that was one example of we put a paving calculator in super simple, right? All it does is calculates how many tons you need with length, thickness. And, you know, just people are like, oh, I'd be really nice if you put a paving calculator in here. So I don't have to go back in and back and forth between this app. And, and we're like, all right, yeah. You know, all right. Two, three day build, put it in there. And um, it added value to our software. So we, we weigh all those out and kind of try to use their best, judgment on on if
0: it's worth that the time and everything so so i'm curious if you if there was something about the software that you thought would be relatively easy to build that ended up into a total nightmare yes a certain feature or certain certain thing you wanted to do yes we we built a
1: interactive calendar in in the software where you can add tasks you can it actually puts in like your impacts on the next seven, 10 days predictive, like uh 50% impact on this location and stuff. And it, for some reason that calendar build was just um, a monster and it's still to this day, we're still tweaking it. And um, I don't know why, uh, but that calendar in our software it's important. It's a visual aspect of what needs to take place and things on it. So it's, it adds value to the, to the software, but we, we continually tweak it. We continually have worked on that. And, um, I don't know why exactly, but yes, that calendar.
0: (laughs) There's always something, man. There's always something that seems easy enough. And you're like, Oh my God, this thing's a nightmare. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, this sounds like software that might be kind of hard to sell. How do you, how do you sell this to your customers? We
1: take a unique way of selling, like I tell people all the time, um if we don't feel like it's gonna add value to what you do, we won't even try to sell it to them. um you know we we know our target market is is contractors that have to comply to federal regulation specifications that's all guided by a handbook that tells them temperatures they can work in, the way it needs to be constructed. And we link a lot of that into our software as well, um, where you, you know, add the specifications, the temperatures, the requirements of the work. Um, and one way that we do it is we we hand out demos. Like, uh, we create a very personal personalized demo account for users, and we give them 30 days. If they like it, we give them, and they're not quite convinced, we check in with them. We give them 60 days. We, we get them they get kind of stuck to it then right i mean like they find that they're using it a lot they're running a couple projects through it the moment we ask you know you know like are we shut it off uh they they've made their mind up um the product will sell itself but um yeah that's how we've been approaching it we don't even do sales calls we do discovery calls like we call contractors if we're cold calling uh we know DOT lettings as public information. They're working on state jobs. We contact. We know who got the low bid. Um, we we've used a pretty delicate sales process. Of most of it is just
0: discovery. So that's how you that's how you find the customers is through these public lists. Like yep. you know who has the contracts
1: and and expos. We've done. Oh man, we've been to like twelve ex- asphalt expos this year, and a lot of it is mostly just for Holy moly. This yeah. year. Oh yeah, yeah, and we got in just, to, in just six weeks. Yeah. We've been all over the place from (laughs) Florida, Denver, Texas. Uh, we were out in Indiana, Richmond. We'll be in Utah. I'll be in South Dakota. Yeah. I mean like, so it's just been nonstop expos and, and we're mostly doing that to connect with and just brand out our, what we're trying to do and just connect with people. And that's been great. We've got a lot of good leads through that too, but, um, We were fortunate. I had a lot of connections in the industry working in it for so long that we were able to go to that first customer and be like, Hey, like, would you pay us to try this? And like, can we work together? And we, we didn't have to build a lot of that bridge relationship. It was already in place. And I mean, that, that was super fortunate and we're lucky to have
0: them. Well, I, I asked because I feel like for a lot of companies, especially tech companies, building software is hard but figuring out the go to market strategy and how to sell the product is honestly usually harder and it, i think it's always interesting to learn how people sell their product and it's always so dramatically different you know it's like hey we we mostly go to trade shows right you know we we get these lists and and they they tell us who is doing the contracts like that is totally different than a lot of other companies right and so that's what's fascinating is as people realizing like every everyone is like a special snowflake and like how their go-to-market strategy actually works, right? And so like at full scale a lot of it is from influence marketing we do, thought leadership, different kinds of things, totally different. Um, if you're, again, if you're looking to hire software developers, check us out, FullScale.io. It's what we do. It's what I do all day. Um, but our go-to-market strategy is a thousand times different than yours, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's what makes... So many businesses unique, and honestly, I feel like it's the hardest problem to solve for most companies. It's The technology is hard, but figuring out how to sell it is usually harder. Yeah, and we
1: we found that out when we started to like go into a sales process. It was like cold calling people and stuff, and we're like, this isn't getting us anywhere because um, we just go right directly into sales, right? And that's really unattractive, especially to this industry where there are a lot of uh, hands on. Uh, and and it's just like, we can go to an expo and meet with 40 people in yeah. two days that would take yeah. us a year to try to connect with yeah. on Facebook or LinkedIn and, and shake their hand and show them a demo. Like, so that's why they're so beneficial to us. Um, because we can take care of so much at one of these that just we couldn't do virtually or through any other kind of communication.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate having you on the show today. Um, again, everybody, this was Bryce Worry with PaveWise. That's pavewisepro.com. You can check them out. There's also a link in the show notes. Um, as we round out the show today, I'm curious if you have any other final words of wisdom for our listeners. Not
1: really. Just keep grinding. You know, like if you have a dream and a passion, chase after it. Um, you know, we only got one life to live and and I'm really glad that I was able to take that dream and make it into a reality every day. It doesn't even feel like I work. Just um, if you got something, go after it.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Matt. Take care. You too.